0: Welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. Since it's Messiah season still, we wanted to offer the basses one more aria. This time, Jason Nadecki helps us work our way through The People That Walk It in Darkness with the preceding recitative, with an emphasis on dealing with R's, the cat vowel A, and aspirate T's. For more information about Jason Adecki, or me, Ellen Rissinger, or for the accompanying PDF of this text, which includes an IPA transcription and word-for-word and poetic translations in French and German, please visit DictionPolice.com. And if you haven't already listened to Episode 100, Our Guide to the Phonetic Alphabet, you can find that at the website or on our YouTube channel. You can also follow the Diction Police on Facebook or Twitter, at DictionPolice.
1: For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy risings. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light, and they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined.
2: Every word in this line is worth mentioning, because we've got the "thee" and not the the, We've got shall with that, because everybody sings shall come. Here we see behold, and that's one of those uh, words with the E prefix, including the letter E, that can be pronounced with this uh, unstressed capital I, I. E. Yeah. So do not stress it, but keep it that taller, more tense sound than B or overly tense with E. So not behold or behold, but behold, I.
0: And that word because there's a comma after it and the next word starts with the same consonant, that's one of the few where I would say we really need to give the shadow veil to to finish off the first D of behold, darkness, and really separate them, right?
2: Definitely. We, there's a rest there, and we need to hear that the singer is making this proclamation at the beginning, behold, with a good released D. Yeah. If you say the D... If you articulate it for yourself, I like to say that you'll hear it, but it won't get past the footlights. So it needs that kind of follow
0: through. Exactly. In the word darkness, I would say with an R. But when you sing it, we don't want to sing an R before another consonant, right?
2: Right. And after the father vowel of darkness, it just disappears altogether. So no hint of R, no schwa, no suggestion of, of that consonant. It really is not there. Before that, same thing in the very first word, full, for behold, no hint of R needed.
0: This whole first line is filled with it. Cover,
2: earth. All four are the same. Yep. We have this N-E-S-S suffix. And we've talked a little bit about uh, how that can gain uh, pronunciation of E, eh, open E. Eh. In this case, I'd say it's possible because it is rather long in the music and falls on an important beat. So where we'd normally have darkness, darkness, with a little bit of that I again.
0: With the same, um, which um, is sort of similar to behold.
2: Yeah, or even sometimes that could be pronounced with schwa too, even by British singers, in this case, neither the schwa nor the i really works because it's so long. Wow. So we have this tradition of singers using a. Darkness shall. And that works quite well instead of darkness or darkness. Yeah. So it can be a in this case.
0: Which leads us into Taste. the next word, which is really the a vowel and not just an a, right?
2: Right. So many people think that all of the a sounds need to be minimized, and they should all become ah. That isn't true. That's actually a false understanding of the British accent. They do have the ah vowel. You can't say cat as caught. (laughs) No British person says that in any part of Great Britain. (laughs) So ah needs to be maintained. And it it, admittedly, it's tricky to find sometimes for, for certain singers a good position on which to sing. But Once you find it, it works quite well, and it's one of those special English vowels that we don't have in other languages, that ah, this Mm -hmm. A-E ligature symbol. Darkness shall cover, not shall cover.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: T-H-E is this uh, direct article, and so it has two pronunciations. Usually we find it with schwa, neutral, but in this case, it goes on to a vowel in the next word. whenever it goes on to a vowel, it should be pronounced the, with a good closed e.
0: Which has kind of fallen out of colloquial speech, right?
2: Apparently this is happening, yes. Whatever's going on nowadays, (laughs) when we sing Messiah, stick with the traditional pronunciation. So cover the earth. And you don't have to link from the e into the... Uh sound of earth. In fact, it's best if you do make a break after the earth with a little glottal rearticulation.
0: Yeah.
2: In the next line we have the same ah sound in and.
0: So and really on. do make
2: a nice and exactly. There's no such thing as on. To say that the darkness was so very great, we can roll the R on gross darkness. That would be quite good. And then when we say people, you'll notice that. The the is the regular, if you like, pronunciation with schwa. Yeah. The people.
0: And I think the dangerous thing on people is to not make the American all.
2: Right. This feels a little false, I think, for native English speakers on either side of the pond. What to do when you have a note and you need to sing a vowel, when in speech we would go straight from the consonant into this sustained, continuant, L from P-P, the, the p, p the plosive into yeah. But of course, in singing, it's to make a sound, and it's the schwa. So just be confident in, in singing the schwa and come to the L with the bright forward L. People.
0: So that you're just using the with... tip of your tongue and not the whole back fat part of your tongue. Right. So not
2: the velarized dark L, as they sometimes call it, but the clear forward L, the Italianate L.
0: Yeah. Over the next two lines, we have two places where we also have the choice of of flipping or rolling the R in Arise and Glory.
2: I think in both cases, the flipped R works very well. Yeah. I wouldn't roll it because it's intervocalic. There's not a rule about not rolling intervocalic R as there is in Italian, In fact, of German, French, English, and Italian, it can be said that really Italian is the only one that has that uh, hard and fast rule about flipping an intervocalic R. But it is also a good suggestion in other languages, including English, where we've opted in this older material to go for the apical R, the forward R, flipped and rolled. Intervocalically, it's best to flip it because it makes it sound, it sounds like it's in the middle of the word and not the beginning of a word that you're emphasizing. So you have shall arise and glory, which is natural. Shall arise and glory would be too much.
0: The word upon is one that sounds different between American and British pronunciations, too, because I would say upon.
2: And I would say upon, close to yours. <laughs> <laughs> the Brits would say upon. The difference between mine and theirs is that uh, I use the father vowel, a- and they take that father vowel, the printed A, flip the symbol up uh, backwards. that so We have the line on the left and stick the lips out to make O. So it's very easy to shift from A to O. And it's in the lips. The tongue stays the same. A, O.
0: At the end of this line, we just talked about upon. Mm-hmm. And the word that comes after it is not the, but it's spelled almost just like the. Americans, Brits, native speakers will recognize this word, but if you're not a native speaker, I can see that there could be some confusion when you see a T-H-E-E.
2: Right, so T-H-E-E is always the. Every T-H-E-E is the, but not every T-H-E is the.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be-
2: can be the or the, and the only determining factor there, as we said, is whether a vowel follows.
0: Exactly. But this exactly. one,
2: the, is always with the closed E sound.
0: Yeah. This is also a form that has fallen out of normal speech nowadays
2: mm-hmm.
0: because That's people don't say the and thou anymore.
2: It, we would say in modern language, you, upon you. Yeah. C O M E is just that upside down V again, come.
0: Yeah, which uh, is the same as what we saw in but.
2: But and cover. Uh, yeah. uh, uh.
0: Exactly. And if we keep going down to the kings, to the brightness, brightness follows along our same rule as darkness, right?
2: Yes, exactly. To the brightness, uh, singing air, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's traditionally done, so you wouldn't be wrong by any means, to to do that.
0: Exactly. The word after that is another word that switches just like upon. It's not of in British Mm -hmm. English. It's
2: of. So we have a bit of lip rounding. Take your father vowel and put those lips forward. And in this strong pronunciation of the word of thy rising, which we need because it's very long, we make uh, this rounded vowel, short, rounded O, of.
0: Yeah. And it, I think as a native speaker, it feels funny to our ears as, a, as an American native speaker. Yes. But if you really do that, the sound comes out of the mouth so much better.
2: It always sounds right. In our own language, when we do something that we don't naturally consider day to day in our fluid speech, it's going to feel perhaps a bit uh, false. But... In singing, when it's stretched out, and again, of course, this repertoire is not in in our colloquial, everyday-spoken North American speech, it will just seem right.
0: Exactly. When we get to the aria proper, we start off with a word that we've already discussed, the people, that we want to get the L front. Yes. And then we have our that, which stays as an A. Right. And in the next word... First of all, for non-native speakers to be prepared not to sing an L in any way, shape, or form.
2: There is no L in this word, unfortunately, in pronunciation. I know it's in the spelling. There are a number of words that are spelled A, L consonant, palm, bomb, and, and those Ls are silent. In these spellings, A, L, they are often on the list of spellings that take the open O in British English. So where we have the father vowel, walked, in North American, they have walked.
0: So it's a darker sound than what we would have.
2: That's right. It's round. It's really an O sound, an open O that is long. In the second syllable, Handel sets our ED as... I was just uh, going to say that. <laughs> not in one syllable, walked, but walked. Which, again, can can take the the, the form of the open F for the vowel, like we talked about in darkness. Yeah. And again, we see darkness at the end of the line. So we'd get two of them back to back. Walked in darkness. Yeah. It's, it's
0: not really
2: the only possibility, but I think it is the most natural and the most observed.
0: The most singable, verbal. I think.
2: Yep, that's right.
0: When it comes to ending a word with a consonant and starting off with a vowel, like we have with walked in darkness, do we want? Do we need to separate them? Could we say walked in?
1: We could.
2: And because this repeats over and over again, this text, maybe the singer would find times where it links quite nicely in a legato and other times where it can be more articulated.
0: Yeah, so we have some choices there.
2: You have some choice. There's no rule about glottal. It, the, the question to, the singer should ask himself is, is it intelligible? Can it be understood? Is it clear? Does it sound like something else if I don't make the glottal? Right. right. <laughs> I don't think it would sound like walk a din, like a din of noise. We have the word din. It's it's such an odd, rare word that we wouldn't uh, it wouldn't create a little joke about it. We wouldn't hear din. <laughs> walk, right. it in, walk it in darkness without a glottal would, would be okay. Yeah. As, as it connects.
0: In the next line, we have again the gr combination. We had seen a gr earlier with gross that yes, we could yes. that we could roll. Do we want to roll great too?
2: I think we should. We don't have to. It's not a rule. But it would work really well before the beat to place that great light.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I notice when you say that, that you say the T's at the ends of the words very articulated. So, great light.
2: There's a danger for North American speakers in the first word of those two, great, to minimize that T so that we hear great light. Better if it's fully articulated. That aspirate t, great light. Yeah, I always,
0: I always say, if you haven't spit on someone by the end of it, you've done it wrong.
2: That's right. <laughs> and at the beginning of the line, let's sing have. We so often hear baritone sing, have seen, have seen a great light.
0: Yeah, great. just giving it that little bit of a vowel forces you to support that note too.
2: Yeah, and in this case with, those, with the gr that we get later on and t, light, the bright diphthong in "light," it sounds like the brightness of the meaning of the line, that they've seen a light.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's, exactly. That
2: muddy, that it's, there's clarity in it. So this idea that we've talked about so often that the diction really supports the meaning, that it's not about really these symbols that we, I know we spend a lot of time analyzing, and this idea of, um, oh, is it this Shape, or should I do this, or what's the rule on that? But in the end, all of that comes to support how the language feels and sounds, and the message it gives.
0: Exactly,
2: next level of the aesthetic of the diction.
0: Yeah, it's about also making a line out of it, so that you really find if you're if you're exaggerating too much, great then light doesn't get what it needs. So you have to keep everything flowing and keep it all in in its architecture.
2: Ideally, that would be the goal. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the next line, next line, (laughs) just like we had with great light, we have the word that, but it starts, the next word starts with a D. Do we want here to say that dwell? Or could we swallow this a little ghost? That dwell. We could do an
2: unreleased T at the end of that. It's not an important word. Unlike great, that dwell is definitely possible. Or that dwell. Both are okay. And you sort of have to decide what's my tempo, what what would I like to do, how big is the hall. All of these things could come into play if you really wanted to analyze them.
0: Mm -hmm. When we have the word shadow... That's one of the few ways that we'll see a closed O in English diction when it's in the diphthong. How different is that O from of, which is the backwards, upside-down, dark A thing?
2: I'd say it's quite a bit different because you pointed out it correctly. It's a diphthong. We have O. So it, in English, it always trails off to that second part in what we call a contour diphthong, where we have a main part and then this ending bit. Always in the same syllable, not split up in Italian. It's possible to have back-to-back vowels in different syllables. Mm-hmm. And then off is short, not as round, but, uh, but a little maybe deeper, darker. Always short though. So, oh and oh.
0: I think for me as an English speaker, as an American English speaker, That would be one place where I would have a tendency to forget and say shadow of, because I would try to make the vowels even more different. Uh Aha. But I think going from that, oh, is a much better choice. And you can put
2: a little glottal there, especially in that setting where it has shadow of death, of death, quite clear in the dotted rhythm.
0: Yeah in the very last line we have the theta and the delta that comes together in hath the are there rules that govern what we need to do when these consonants are back to back
2: not really just that we hear things clearly i would suggest that you can make one long sustained sound and think of adding a bit of voicing toward the end so you'd have upon them hath the light so i'm not really stopping hath the with a hole. Also, what, what uh, tends to happen is that hath moves into some sort of hath the light in this kind of setting that Handel gives. that's very, upon them hath the light You know, we get this hath. Yeah. Try to keep a hath light with some sort of length and, and quality to the, to the vowel.
0: That you remember that th is a consonant that although it doesn't have voicing, it still has support. It, you can still breathe through it. So it's not ha and stopping, but ha and you get that yeah. fricative sound.
2: Yeah, it's sort of tricky to place that in and play with the length. And again, I'm thinking of the setting, especially there where it's so marcato. Yeah. But it is possible, as you say, to keep that vowel and singing through into the th. Yeah. On the very last yes. word of the aria, we get this uh, set-ed suffix. Set with a vowel, I mean, on a note of its own.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This is another candidate for our open air shine, Ned. Especially in this, where we have that five-one cadence, ta ta the light shine, That's possible instead of shine, nid or shine, Nud.
0: <laughs> exactly, and what I, when you say that, it sounds so tasteful. And one of the real problems here is not about the vowel, but it's about how we approach the last note. Because singers get to the last note and want it to be big, and the arrival point, and we're there. And we say, shined, and it becomes much too big for the actual word. It's, shi- it's a, a syllable that wouldn't happen. It's shined.
2: Yes, exactly. Probably basses would have a better time hitting that low B. Baritones would naturally <laughs> move away from it because it feels too low for us, especially if we're in pitch. Even though the, the tonic falls on the ned, you know, yeah, it has to be tasteful. No matter how good your low B may actually sound.
0: <laughs> we finished up by talking about the final word of this aria, Shined and saying not to land too hard on the last syllable of it. This is not just because it's an unstressed syllable in the word. In Baroque music, the penultimate note, that is, the note before the last note, is always considered more important than the final or ultimate note. This is because the dominant note or chord is actually a stronger chord than the tonic. The dominant chord must resolve. It holds a certain amount of tension that then needs to be released. The release of that tension on the tonic is then a relaxation rather than something that needs to be stressed. So, for both of these reasons, we shouldn't land on the shy ned, but rather enjoy shy ned. And in the word walked, since we have the extra syllable for the final ed, notice that the d becomes voiced. If we were to say this word normally, walked. Since the D is directly following an unvoiced K, the D would be unvoiced to T. But because we've added a vowel between them, it now remains a phonetic D. Basically, the rule is that a final D after an unvoiced consonant becomes unvoiced T, and after a vowel or a voiced consonant, as in shined, it will be a voiced D. This same rule generally works for a final S when it's the mark of the plural, which is why the S's at the ends of Gentiles and Kings are voiced. Of course, there are always tons of exceptions in English, but at least this is a basic rule of thumb to follow for foreigners.
1: For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee, and the Gentiles shall come to thy light and kings to the brightness of thy rising. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And they that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined.
0: This interview with Jason Nadecki was conducted by Ellen Rissinger. The accompanying phonetic transcription is by Ellen Rissinger and Jason Nadecki. This has been the Diction Police Special Diction Unit, a production of Singing Diction G.B.R.